Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Walton Shirley with TheHeart.org, and we're coming to you from the 2009 American Heart Association meeting in Orlando, Florida. Tonight, I have with us Dr. Lynn Warner Stevenson, Dr. Suzanne Oparil, and Dr. Judith Hockman. Thank you for joining us this evening. The topic tonight is women in cardiology, and I'd like to start by giving a brief introduction to the topic. As of 2005, less than one in five cardiovascular fellows were female, yet we account for over 50% of med school graduates. Currently, only 14% of cardiology fellows are female. And there are certainly issues of the tough schedule, long days, but these issues are certainly not unique to cardiology, yet women choose other subspecialties such as OBGYN preferentially. So I'd like to start tonight with just a general question, and perhaps Dr. Stevenson, you could take this. Why do you think women should want to be cardiologists? I look at this as why should anybody want to be cardiologists? I think it's fascinating. The combination of the physiology, the human aspect, um, the interventions that can be made and the difference that we can make in people's lives, I think should attract everyone into cardiology. Um, so I don't know that that should be particularly more or less attractive to women. I do think that everybody is daunted by the image of the cardiologist as somebody who has to come in at all hours of the day and night. Um, and as someone who deals with emergency situations, critical situations, and often very challenging situations uh, in you know, which patients are dying. So I can see both the appeal and I can see in some ways what's daunting about it. But I have to tell you, I, I'm not sure why it is perhaps less appealing to women other than the fact that women are childbearing creatures and many of them are quite conscious as they get through their medical school years of the years that they have left uh, in order to have children. Dr. Hockman, do you have an opinion about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Lynn said. Um, I think being a cardiologist is fantastic. I've had an incredibly and have an incredibly rewarding career. I've done it all. I raised three sons. And I would say to the women out there, just follow your passion, whatever it is. Don't not do something because you're worried about making it work. You'll make it work. Just follow your passion. I think that's really excellent advice. Suzanne, you're one of the women that has been one of my heroes. I picture that- well, Thank you very much. <laughs> you, Nanette, Nora, mm. were some of the first people who really blazed the trail that we could come along behind. How do you think it's different now when you look at what we do versus what you had to do? Actually, I think it's harder now. Really? Not because there are more, there are more women there, but I don't think having more women in the field necessarily makes it easier or harder. I didn't feel discriminated against or anything like that. I think it was easier in the old days because the training was shorter. Mm -hmm. There were not so many specialty things. There weren't so many details of nuclear medicine or fine points of echo or, or um, invasive cardiology that you had to know and you had to be able to do. Um, and I was attracted to the field because um, Edgar Haber, my mentor, was very brilliant. And it was possible to do meaningful bench research and be a cardiologist. I picked something that's relatively easy from the physical point of view, hypertension, which is mostly ambulatory medicine, um, and was able to do bench research and combine it. Now it's a little bit difficult because all cardiology fellows are expected to do a lot of the same thing. And I think that's something that the field would be stronger if that changed. 
Dr. Stevenson, is there any particular instance that you ever experienced sexism in your profession? I have to say overall that I think as young people come up, it is very difficult to figure out where your place is and when it's time to take leadership. And I think that it's more difficult for women to do that. We, in general, tend to seek consensus over conflict. And perhaps the examples that have been set for us uh, really make leadership seem more of an adversarial activity. But that's probably something as much within me as it is something that is imposed upon me, this feeling that I have difficulty going into a situation of conflict. You know, when I was a cardiology fellow, I remember my attending walking by me on the first week when I was rounding and actually grabbed my hand and turned it over and said, hands too small, you'll never learn how to cath. Oh my goodness. And then walked off. But it really actually made me try harder. And I really proved him wrong about that. So, you know, that was my good little experience. And at the end of the fellowship, we actually had each other's respect, and it was a good experience. But that was a very negative experience for the mm -hmm. first week on rounds. So, Dr. Hockman, how about you? Well, I've never personally experienced sexism, but I think that there are attitudinal issues, people's attitude toward women that are very cultural, very societal. It's not just within cardiology that are problematic. And I think some of these were addressed in that new book by Maria Shriver and sort of Women's Place in the World, and there were a lot of mm -hmm. columns right after that. But for example, if a woman is assertive, they're aggressive. You oh, know, it's that Hillary Clinton, um, <laughs> you know, uh, problem, that's basically. True. Whereas a man, if they're assertive, that's a very good thing. So women have to try a little harder to be sort of smooth around the edges and sort of do it with finesse, not be too threatening, you know, mm -hmm. tread carefully because otherwise you'll be seen as that aggressive, you know, woman. You won't use that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. On the other hand, to be honest, I think finesse comes easier to us. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely multitaskers. Yes, you and know, we're very I'm, collaborative by nature. Mm -hmm. That's right. Very yes. collaborative. My male colleagues, I love them. They're wonderful to work with. But you know, when it comes to the end of the day, trying to get all the echoes read and the nuclears read and try to get the consults done, those types of things, I find that I'm more easily able to adapt to changes in schedule and maybe get things done a little bit faster. I'm not, I mean, I think we are multitaskers by nature. Definitely multitaskers. Mm -hmm. And there's one other thing that came out of a discussion, I, I chaired a session on late breaking clinical science today, came out of a, an offhand discussion after, which is one of the reasons physicians sort of overinterpret trial results is they can't deal with uncertainty. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons that um, they have very strong opinions and say this is the way to do it is because it's hard to admit uncertainty. It's like a man asking directions, you know, <laughs> when you're lost. <laughs> I think women find it a lot easier to deal with uncertainty. Um, That's very interesting. I, I never thought about it that way. I think it's an interesting perspective as well. And then I want to ask you, are there any real issues from the standpoint of our stature and our being female that make it more difficult to be an invasivist, for instance. You know, um, I think that we have issues with osteoporosis. We uh, have a smaller stature, so the radiation exposure may be greater to us. Um, are there any physiologic issues that are really valid when it comes to choosing a subspecialty in cardiology? 
Well, I think those are important issues. It's not my particular area of expertise. I'm actually not an invasive cardiologist, although yeah. everybody thinks I am. Yeah. I'm not an invasive <laughs> cardiologist. But I think, um, in fact, I know that we need more data about that, yeah. that the interventional community, in particular uh, women, would like a lot more data. Um, but I know that many interventional uh, women have gone through absolutely multiple normal pregnancies, have healthy children, um, you know, you wear the radiation tags, you monitor. Um, so, uh, but I think there's always room for improvement and I think uh, we can definitely use a lot more data. But once again, if it's your passion to go into interventional cardiology, do it. Absolutely. I, I actually like to add a couple of points. Um, I did some work in our own institution on looking at issues about um, any gender disparity and also there was some wonderful work done out of Johns Hopkins by some of the people there about this. And there's some very simple things that I think people don't realize. One is that women have a different way of communicating and receiving information than men. So that people who are in positions of leadership need to realize that they have to explain and present things to women in a slightly different way in order to have them received well. We tend to take criticism less well and to um, be less likely to speak our mind about that. But one of the most simple issues, and this is a plea I have for divisions across the country, women tend to be the ones who get their children to school. So if you have meetings at seven o'clock in the morning, this makes an incredible conflict for the women. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, but, and, and now it's actually important because many men are beginning to share some of that, and then they have the conflict. So at the same time as we all recognize that there's much more to be done and that it's hard to find times to get together in the morning, seven o'clock is not the time to have a meeting for people who need a balanced life and have people who expect something from them who are not in the hospital. I think it requires an incredible mm -hmm. amount of planning on the behalf of any female cardiologist to really pull it off. You know, I have arranged my schedule around uh, being a room mother at school and trying to get to the ball games and all those types of things, very difficult. and then. I was going to speak to the uh, issue of childbearing as well. I cast through the first seven months of my second pregnancy. We had to piece two suits together to try to cover <laughs> my enormous belly, but I was able to do that. And then after a while, it just got to be so cumbersome because I really couldn't hardly reach the patient because I had to stand so far away from the table. But you know, it is possible. Um, Dr. Oprell, I want to ask you if there's anything you would have done differently throughout your career. I mean. You said that you enjoyed yourself and mm -hmm. you really like what you've done, but is there anything differently? Would you have chosen a different subspecialty? Any way you could have relieved the stress that you had maybe from some things that occurred? No, I don't think I would have changed anything. You know, obviously I would have liked to have had some experiments go better and some grants that were not funded <laughs> get funded, but I don't think, from my point of view, things have turned out the way I would like to live my life, although it's very stressful and competitive in the sense that if you do research, you're competing with people all over the world trying to, for the same pot of money. You can, um, and this is a plea for women who may be watching, who may be trainees, to think about a research career. You can plan your time better. You may have to work very hard, but you can decide when you're gonna do it. You have deadlines, but you don't have so much of a daily grind of showing up at seven every day because somebody says you have to be there for a meeting. Sure. You okay. decide when the meeting is <laughs> because you're more independent. Good idea. Lynn, what about you? One of the things that I would do differently, and I would strongly advise 
all the young people out there, is that I would have worried less about what was going to happen next. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful ride. And as soon as you realize that you're not actually driving the bus, <laughs> um, then actually you can enjoy it much more. You don't know what's going to happen yet, which grant's going to get funded, what new research opportunity or what new patient opportunity is going to arise. And I think to worry about that takes some of the fun out of it. You have to have confidence that you will be able to do what you have to do and mm -hmm. that you can do it well and also that you can change your mind. If you decide something new has come along, there's always an option to do something different. And I think I would worry less about what the future looks like if I had it to do again. Judith? I absolutely <laughs> agree totally. You know, uh, I'm so fulfilled by what I do and where I am that there's nothing concrete in terms of making decisions I would have changed, but to have done it with less angst, <laughs> with more confidence, <laughs> less anxiety, less worry about the conflict. You're going to have conflict. I'm at home. I'm thinking about other work I should do. I'm, I'm, I'm not at home. I'm worrying about the kids. It, it's going to be, it, it's natural, but then just put it out of your mind. It, it pops in, then just compartmentalize it. Put it out of your mind and don't worry about it. There'll be conflict, but the kids will be fine. I've raised three wonderful sons. They couldn't have been better. They would have been crazy if I would have been home all the time. I mean, I'm sort of so high energy and so in your face <laughs> no that I think I would have driven them completely crazy. So you just enjoy the ride more. Just relax, be confident. And I'd, I'd actually like to take that one step further, which is actually into the immediacy of the moment is that often what gets you the most tired is worrying about what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And if whatever you're doing at the moment, you can try to do that, as you're alluding to, with 100% of yourself. When I'm at work, I'm 100% there. When I'm at home, I'm 100% there. Focus. Then everybody can feel that you're there. But you also find yourself much less tired at the end of the day than if you're kind of trying to be two places at once in your head and mm -hmm. you're always worrying about where you're going next or where you just went. If you can just be where you are. And it's also something that I think makes a huge difference with your patients. Even if you're four patients behind, if you're only thinking about the one right in front of you when you're there, they can feel that and they're gonna feel that you've spent good time with them even if the number of minutes isn't actually that long. The other thing I was gonna add was um, I remember complaining to my mother just a little bit a few years ago and just saying, you know, I mean, I should have been there more. I feel a little guilty. And she said, wait a minute, don't you realize that all mothers have the same feelings, no matter <laughs> what their profession? They always feel like they didn't have enough time with their children, et cetera, do the right thing. So I was comforted by that somehow. But I thank you guys for joining me tonight. Really appreciate your input. I think this is a fascinating and a very necessary discussion. And um, I appreciate your joining us tonight for the heart.org's cardiology show. Thank you.